Good morning. Welcome to worship in the name of Jesus. Also want to welcome our family and friends that are watching online. We're glad to have you with us. Today begins Pastor Appreciation Month. And to celebrate that, we sent Pastor away. Not really. He and Jane are just taking a few days to travel and hopefully get some rest. You have probably noticed that there is no communion set up. Coming out of the recent synodical convention, the LCMS has decreed that no layperson, such as an elder, is allowed to consecrate the communion elements, only ordained pastors. Pastor Geta is in Bernie today so we will be unable to bless you with communion. They also decided that, el that elders and lay people can't preach, but... <laughs> Today's message is based on Philippians chapter 2, which is our epistle lesson. We pray that through the liturgy, the music, and the message, that you will be blessed by today's worship, and your faith will be strengthened. Among the flags of the 50 states of the United States, one of the most distinctive is the flag of Rhode Island. It is a simple design featuring a golden anchor on a field of white surrounded by 13 golden stars, which commemorate the fact that Rhode Island was the 13th of the original colonies to become a state officially. There is just one word on the flag, hope. The likely inspiration for the inclusion of this word is from Hebrews chapter 6. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. The founders of the colony of Rhode Island were hopeful of finding a place of refuge to express their Christian faith freely in their times. In our time, we also are people of Christian hope, as well as people abiding in faith who are given to charity in Christ's name. We sing our opening song.
please rise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. Blessed be the Lord, who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Ascribe power to God, whose majesty is over Israel, and whose power is in the skies. Let us humble ourselves before God, confess our sins to him, and ask his gracious forgiveness. We now confess to God Almighty, before the whole company of heaven, and before one another, that we are a sinful human beings by nature and by deed. We have not always put God first, and have too much followed the desires of our own hearts. We have used his holy name in ways that do not honor him. We have been careless in our devotion and have not always honored those in authority over us. We have done violence to others in word and deed and have not always kept our thoughts, words, and deeds pure and honorable. We have taken what is not ours and have spoken that which is not helpful or true. We have wished for that which is not rightfully ours and have not put the best construction on all things and on all people. We pray, God. To bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Bear them, O God, who confess their faults. Restore those who are penitent, according to your promises declared in Jesus Christ our Lord. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant us pardon, forgiveness, and remission of all of our sins. May the Lord who has begun this good work in us bring it to completion in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please be seated.
please rise. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the broken heart and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars, gives to all of them their names. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Forgiveness ever flowing without end. 
I bow my heart before you in the goodness of your presence. Your grace forever shining like the beacon in the The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. God of love, by your grace we have come to hear your word. Grant that we may ever find in it our greatest treasure and hold fast to it as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. The uh, Old Testament lesson this morning is from Ezekiel chapter 18. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, declares the Lord God, this proverb shall no more be used by you in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine, the soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. Hear now, O house of Israel, is my way not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? When a righteous person turns away, from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. For the injustice that he has done, he shall die. Again, when a wicked person turns away from the wickedness, he is committed and does what is just and right, he shall save his life. Because he considered and turned away from the transgressions, from all the transgressions that he had committed. He shall surely live, he shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not just. O house of Israel, are my ways not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? Therefore, 
I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed, and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalm to you, Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Indeed, none of who wait for you put shall be put to shame. They shall all be ashamed or are wantonly treacherous. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The epistle is from Philippians chapter 2. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, 
every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord. Please rise for the gradual. Hear the Lord, you and his saints. For those who fear him lack nothing. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Hallelujah. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Hallelujah. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you what authority by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. From where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Then why did you not believe him? And if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, 
the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's begin with a question. Does having a bad outlook on life ever produce a positive result? There's an old saying that goes, a bad attitude is like a flat tire. Until you change it, you're not getting anywhere. There's a reason why professional sports teams and even pro golfers pay huge money to hire sports psychologists. They understand the importance of having a winning attitude as an ingredient for success. Who here has been told they need an attitude adjustment? In my case, it's usually when I'm driving and the suggestion comes from the passenger. (laughs) 
Now, don't get me wrong, I'm an excellent driver and a very courteous driver, and I expect the same of everyone else. <laughs> but really, how do you go about changing someone's attitude? If you tell your teenage son or daughter, or God forbid, your spouse, you better change your attitude, does that really help? Has anyone's attitude ever been improved by telling them that? I doubt it. Something more has to happen. Something has to happen on the inside to make you want to change. In today's epistle lesson, Paul tells us what our attitude should be. He says your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. That's asking a lot. We can't just think, okay, I'll adopt his attitude. Paul knew that. Instead, he leads us to it by showing us what Jesus' attitude was. Paul said that Jesus was, in his very nature, God, and that he was equal with God. That means that Jesus possessed all of the power in the world. He could have destroyed the earth with a word. Or could he, he could have established a great kingdom on earth. He had legions of angels available at his fingertips. But what did Jesus do? He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Another way of saying this would be, he did not consider equality with God as a prize to be displayed. In ancient days, when a king would win a victory over a neighboring enemy, he would return to his city with all of the riches that they had plundered from that town. He would march all of the captives he had taken as slaves through the city and put the plunder on display in an arrogant manner, showing the people what a glorious victory he had achieved. Jesus did not do that with his power. He didn't display it in an arrogant manner. He could have made himself a powerful ruler, but instead he acted like your run-of-the-mill ordinary man, a simple carpenter. This is clearly seen in the way that Jesus entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He could have ridden in on the wings of angels. He could have come in on a thunderstorm with the fire of the Lord behind him or on a war horse. But instead, Jesus rode in on a donkey. No light show, nothing special. And then instead of establishing a great kingdom, Jesus gave himself up to be tortured and die on a cross. The question is, why? Why didn't Jesus use his power? Why did Jesus have the attitude that said, I'm not going to flex my muscles? The chief priests and elders even said that they would believe in him if he came down from the cross. They kept taunting him. They couldn't understand if he is who he says he is. Why doesn't he come down? They figured that if he really had the power to come down, he would have. Anyone would. But why didn't he? Paul gives us the reason in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Here he says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, 
Yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. It was only God's grace, Jesus' undeserved love for us sinners, that made him give up everything he had for us. Jesus became poor. He didn't use his power. He went to the cross because he wanted to see us inherit heaven. Jesus' attitude was, I don't care how much I have to give up for myself. I'm even willing to die on a cross so my beloved people will be in heaven. A while back we received a flyer in the mail for a new business. It said in colorful letters, Unlock the power of you. It showed pictures of happy people, people driving cars, flying airplanes, graduating from college. The idea was that if you unlock your potential, then you can achieve whatever you want. You hear the same idea in the movies, in business. You even hear it preached in some megachurches. It's all over the place. Unlock the power of you. Reach your full potential. Be all that you can be. The U.S. Army successfully uses that one to entice young men and women to enlist. Now, I understand the U.S. Marines borrowed their slogan from UPS when it absolutely, positively has to be destroyed overnight. The devil uses the same kind of temptation on all of us, but he just uses different masks for the same temptation. The more talented you are, the greater the temptation will be. Someone may think, what if I hadn't gotten married? I could have... You fill in the blanks. What if we hadn't had children? We could have afforded so much more. A husband might think to himself, I could make a lot more money if I just took on a second job. His wife may think to herself, my husband doesn't treat me well. I deserve better than this. He's always working. Maybe the wife does deserve better. Maybe the husband could make more money. Maybe he or she could be doing a lot more with their abilities. But is it the right thing to do? Is it the right attitude? What would have happened if Jesus had had that attitude? What if Jesus had bought into the idea that he should be all that he could be in this world? When the devil took Jesus up on a high hill and offered him rule over everything he could see, what if Jesus had decided to take him up on the offer? What if Jesus had ridden into Jerusalem on the wings of angels? If Jesus had shown his power and come down from the cross, many more people would have believed in him. He would still be alive on earth to this day. He would have a great following today. Maybe the whole world would follow his every word. There wouldn't be thousands of different denominations. And after all, who wouldn't want to follow such a powerful leader who could heal people and do miracles. But what good would that have done? He 
would have gotten all of the glory, glory that he deserves. But all humanity would still be on our way to hell since the payment for sin would not have been satisfied. The devil has implanted the self-centered attitude in our minds, which is only concerned with one thing. What do I want? It's said that too often our minds are tuned to only one radio station, WIIFM. What's in it for me? We become disgruntled at work and in our homes because we aren't getting what we deserve or think we deserve. We aren't getting as much money or recognition as we should. Personally, I thank God I don't get what I deserve. Instead of being happy, we tend to constantly complain about how we are getting the raw end of the deal. Instead of being good workers, we might give our employers a half effort because we aren't happy with our pay. Is this the attitude that God wants? This attitude is not what God has created us for. It is not what Jesus died for. It is an attitude that leads to destruction. This is why Jesus went to the cross. This is why Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. We can thank God that even our selfish attitudes have been covered by the blood of Christ. We can thank God that Jesus did not have our attitude. He didn't demand equal rights. He didn't choose to display all of his powers. He unselfishly put his abilities and powers on the shelf for a time as he went to the cross. He did it all for us so that we would look perfect in the sight of God. And that's the attitude that God wants us to have. Just prior to today's text, Paul explained it very simply in Philippians 2.4. Each of you should look not only on your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Jesus was concerned with one thing. It wasn't how much power he used or how many talents he showed off to other people. He had one purpose, to build other people's faith. If it didn't serve that purpose, he didn't use his talents. That's the lesson that Paul wants us to learn. Follow Jesus' attitude. The attitude of Jesus is being willing to sacrifice what I want or what I can do for the good of others. Several years ago at the Seattle Special Olympics, Nine contestants, all physically or mentally disabled, assembled at the starting line for the 100-yard dash. At the gun, they all started out, not exactly in a dash, but with the relish to run the race to the finish and win. All that is except one boy who stumbled on the asphalt, tumbled over a couple of times, and began to cry. The other eight heard the boy cry. They slowed down and paused. Then they all turned around and went back, every one of them. One girl bent down and kissed him 
and said, this will make it better. Then all nine linked arms and walked together to the finish line. What a demonstration of selfless love. What a lesson for us. Sometimes we need to remember this story. Life isn't all about how much we use our abilities or how much we develop ourselves. It isn't about whether only we win the prizes of life. We aren't in the race all by ourselves. It's about how we help others grow in faith and love. Jesus chose not to fully use his abilities so that we could have eternal salvation. No matter how many abilities you have, never be selfish with them. Be willing to use them or not to use them to help others come to faith in Christ and stay strong in their faith. I urge us all to adopt the same generous attitude of Jesus. Amen. We join in the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. We receive our offering.
Please rise. Gathered as God's people in supplication, let us pray for the whole church. Gracious Father, we beseech you for your holy church. Fill it with all truth and peace. Where it is in error, reform it. Where it is in need, supply it. Where it is right, strengthen and confirm it. And where it is in conflict, heal its divisions. Lord, in your mercy, let us pray for the world in which we live. Lord, of all the worlds that are Savior of mankind, we pray for the whole creation. Order the unruly powers. Crush every tyranny. Rebuke injustice. Feed and satisfy the nations that we, laboring as your people, may enjoy the good world that you have made and bring glory to your name. Lord, in your mercy. Let us pray for the sick and the sorrowing. O God of all comfort, we commend to you all who are afflicted in any way. We pray for Alicia, for Barbara Merriman, for Teresa, for Joan Walker, and for Barbara. Grant them the consolations they need and assure them that nothing can separate them from your love. Lord, in your mercy. Let us pray for our students and all places of learning. Let us also pray for friends and family. O oh God, our Father, bless all our students and teachers wherever they learn. Inspire and encourage teachers and school administrators with a sense of purpose and responsibility. Endow them with the courage to protect those little ones from all harm from any source and that all may grow in grace. Bless those whom we love and enable us to love those whom you have blessed, that drawing close to you, we may be drawn closer to one another. With gratefulness, we remember the saints who have gone before us and are now in your eternal care. Most recently, Nan Martini. Teach us to follow in their ways of faith. Lord, in your mercy. 
Almighty God, since you have given us grace at this time, with one accord to make our common supplications to you and have promised to hear us, fulfill our petitions as may be best for us according to your grace and mercy, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. We sing our closing hymn.
Please be seated. I'm going to ask that anyone who has an announcement, please come forward and sit in the front row. You're first. First, I want to thank, thank you for all the diapers that are out there. I'll take them over to the family this week. Thank you very much. Um, and the next is that we're going to have a short clip about Operation Christmas Child, which at the rally on Saturday, uh, we're going to have two recipients um, that received when they were children the boxes. So it's just a two-minute clip. Not yet. Okay, but we are having a rally, a women's gathering on Saturday um, at 10, and all the women are invited. We're having speakers and a Bible study, and it should be a fun time. So. And action. After, out, I almost forgot. We're having a, a Lutheran Women's Missionary League uh, meeting after Bible study. After Bible study. After Bible study today with a lunch. And if you don't know anything about Operation Christmas Child, LWML, Lutheran Women's Missionary League, come to the rally in, on Saturday and you'll learn a whole lot. Okay. I tell them the most important item that you can put in that box is your prayers. And what we'd ask you to do is to pray for us as this program carries on. Operation Christmas Child disfounded in prayer. Father, we come to you today. We come in the name of Jesus. Pray for Operation Christmas Child. We need prayer in every step of the process of Operation Christmas Child. Prayer is the most integral part. God's hand is on those shoeboxes. We just pray for every place where shoeboxes will be distributed. We want the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. It's not by might, it is not by power, it is by the Spirit of God. When the kid opened the shoebox and received lots of bandages, and the kid was the happiest kid in the world because he was a hemophilic, so he needed to put a bandage each day when he cut the skin. Who would have known that that kid needed that? Only God that put in the family its heart to prepare that shoebox filled with bandages. We've seen so much being accomplished because of prayer. Prayer is everything. Everything is moving in our region because, because of prayer. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He answers above and beyond anything that we could ever think, ask, or imagine. I pray for their minds that they may understand to love and to make Jesus their friend. That's my prayer. Pray with confidence because you know God hears you and God will answer and these little children are gonna hear about Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. If we understand the power of prayer and what it can do, we can bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. Thank you. I understand they go all over the world. All over the world. 
Awesome. Morning. I just want to thank everybody who came out for Friday night's Early Learning Center open house. You guys are awesome. Um, we had a great turnout. I had so many great comments from parents, and I thought I'd pass it on to you. Our staff is awesome. We're doing a wonderful job of connecting kids and their families with Jesus, and that's what we're all about is connecting the families. And I heard comments about the heart that our, that our teachers have and... Um, you know, they just have a heart for loving kids, and, and the parents recognize that, and it's just wonderful. So thank you for coming out and showing your support. Um, <clears throat> kind of with that, I want to say our enrollment has been a little bit on the low side, and we need your help. So whatever you can do to pass the word around about our school, that's another comment I heard is almost all of our enrollees right now are by word of mouth. We don't do a lot of advertising. It's just very expensive. And so we depend on people to spread the word about our learning center through you and through the other families. And it's just really important that you do that. We're in the process of putting together some, some flyers. We already have some. Um, they're sitting in the narthex and over in the office. If you can take some of those. But we are putting together some flyers for you to take and to share with your friends and family. So let's just build our enrollment and make it even better. I also want to let you know about our fall festival. We're doing something a little different this year. We're going to have a chili cook-off, and there's a sign-up sheet or a board in the back narthex for you. So um, let's all come and have a great time. Along with that, we are going to have a schoolhouse trick-or-treat, and this is taking place on October 21st. So it's before the Halloween, but um, it, it, we're going to have this schoolhouse trick-or-treat, and we're asking groups within the church to sponsor a door. So each, we've got eight schoolroom doors, and they'll all be decorated, and we'll probably you know, open the door and maybe put a table out in front. So each group would sponsor a door and decorate the door and hand out candy as the kids come around, and that'll be in conjunction with this chili cook-off. So uh, if you're interested in doing that, come see me. We've got a couple groups in mind that if, if we don't get anybody to volunteer, we'll come ask you. <laughs> uh, um, oh, there will also be a silent auction at that time to help support the school. Uh, and that's all I wanted to say. So thank, thank you very much for supporting your Early Learning Center. This is in place of the Harvest Festival that we normally have. In place of the big Carnival Harvest Festival that we usually have, yes. Wonderful. Juliet? Good morning. We have some good news. We finally received, for those, I want to thank a lot of you who, uh, for many of you, have talked to me about when is this Lutheran Braille work is going to start. It sounds like we're going we're to finally start. We finally received our large Xerox. Uh, um, printing machine and it arrived finally in our room. So now next week or two weeks from now, um, the two people from the headquarters are coming up here to show us a little bit how to, to do this, how to do the um, uh, little Lutheran Braille workers um, 
project. It says here, Lutheran Barrel Workers, if you do not know, exists to bring the Word of God to the 338 million people throughout the world who are blind or visually impaired, completely free of charge in Braille and special, specialized large print. Here's an example of a large print. This is about what the, each Bible would look like. And it gets to be mailed to these people throughout the world for free, which we praise God for the post office for that. But anyway, I wanted to let you know, our instructions are for one hour only. And I'm glad Sandra's there. Sandra, raise your hand. She's going to go out in the narthex for us. I have two sign-up sheets out there for those. First of all, some of you are interested in, in volunteering at least one hour a week to put these together so we can mail them out to, for God's word. And then I also have a sign-up sheet for uh, another thing going on on um, Saturday, October 21st. It'll be in the morning, though, not the trick-or-treat. Okay, for October, Saturday, October 21st, at 9 to, t to 10, she will talk to us. We can only have between 8 to 10 people come per instruction time, so please sign up. And the other time is also that same morning from 10.30 to 11.30. And all those uh, sign-up sheets are out there. And Sandra, you're going to be out there, I believe. Amen. Good. Thanks. Um, Volunteers, we, 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 and the other sheet I have out there is for volunteers. Some of you have not all written who you were. Just volunteer. If you're going to volunteer, praise God. Please do that. Okay. Um, thank you. God bless. So we will not be producing Braille. We will be producing large print editions. First, yeah. And if that may change. But right now, they have a real need for the large print. Okay. Excellent. Well, we welcome you all to join us in the coffee room for snacks and wonderful coffee and fellowship. And uh, since we're getting out of church early today, uh, we're going to try to start the Bible class in 10, 15 minutes maximum. So uh, that, that way they can, we can excuse them early. Go in peace and serve the Lord.